Welcome to Time of Restoration broadcast. We are so happy that you have tuned in and pray that something will be said to bless you, encourage your heart, lift your spirit, and increase your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and be glad in it. This is our second Thursday, and Pastor Kenneth is not with me on this evening. He was a little under the weather, and we're asking, you know, that you would pray for his strength and the healing of his body. We just thank God that we woke up, you know, with the privilege and the honor to worship him. To, to magnify the Lord and to just to let him know how much we love him. And as much as we feel that we love him and know that we love him, our love for him cannot compare to the love that he had for us because he gave his life. He took on all of our sin that we may become and be made the righteousness of God. He became poor that we might become rich. So we just thank God for his master plan of redemption. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he made this day for you and for me to rejoice, to be glad in it. Hallelujah. To clap our hands in this day. Ah, to stomp our feet in this day. Hallelujah. So we just thank God for being the wonder that he is. He's a wonder in our soul. He's a wonder in our hearts. And tonight or this morning, we give him praise and we give him glory. We give him honor. Oh, we lift his name on high, for there's no other name higher than the name of Jesus. It says at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to have to bow. Every tongue will have to confess that Jesus is Lord. And we just thank God. For that fact. I'm going to be opening up with Psalms 87 on this evening and I will be reading that Psalms in the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation. And it reads as follows. On the holy mountain stands the city founded by the Lord. He loves the city of Jerusalem more than any other city in Israel. O city of God, what glorious things are said of you. I will count Egypt and Babylon among those who know me, also Phoenicia and Tyre, and even distant Ethiopia. They have all become citizens of Jerusalem. Regarding Jerusalem, it will be said, everyone enjoys the rights of citizenship there. And the Most High will personally bless this city. When the Lord registers the nation, he will say, they have all become citizens of Jerusalem. The people will play flutes and sing 
of my life springs from Jerusalem. Uh, we used to sing uh, an anthem, uh, Jerusalem, when I was a young, uh, young teenager in our church, and my sister was over the Department of Music, and she used to teach us anthems. We used to do all types of, you know, anthems Easter time, and but this one anthem was called Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, the holy mountain Zion, and its citizens here represent the future community of all believers. This psalm looks ahead to the holy city of God described in Revelation chapter 21, verses 10 through 27. The honor of living there will be granted to all whose names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that will be found in Revelation 21, 27. All who trust in Jesus are citizens of heaven now. <laughs> in Philippians 3 and 20, God's grace is what forms and sustains this wonderful growing community. Should we not welcome God's offer to be a part of this celebration? So that means if you have not accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, and if death were to overtake you, you will not be a part of this holy city, Jerusalem. And it just lets you know it's for everyone. I mean, when he was talking about the fact that it was uh, Egypt was, would know about it, Babylon, and even when it came to Ethiopia, and even distant Ethiopia, and, and and they have all become citizens of Jerusalem. In other words, people all over the world in different countries, different nations are going to be a part of that new Jerusalem, the city of God, when and because they've accepted the finished work of the cross. They've accepted the finished work of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we just thank God for that song. And uh, we thank God that you know, this is not our home. We're just sojourners. Uh, you, we, we might live in different cities, but our final city that we're going to live in is going to be Jerusalem, God's holy city. Father God, I just thank you. I ask for forgiveness for anything I might have done or said that would have hindered this prayer. Thank you, O oh God, that the, rare, the veil has been rented from top to bottom that gives us access to enter into the most holy of holies. Oh, back in the day, only the high priest could enter into the most holy of holies to atone for the sins of men and women, boys and girls. But today, because of Jesus' death on the cross, and his resurrection, we now have access to, to enter in to the most holy of holies, and we can enter in with boldness. And we thank God for your grace and mercies that follow us. As my husband would often say, the twins, grace and mercy that follows us day by day. We thank you, God, that today you loaded us up with benefits. We thank you, God, that every day you load us up with benefits. We thank God for the benefit of healing, 
Psalms 103 told us to bless you, the name of the Lord, to bless you and not to forget your benefits because you are a healer of all diseases. You forgive our sins. As far as the east is from the west, you remove and forgive our sins. And so God, we just thank you for your master plan of redemption. We thank you that you redeemed us. Hallelujah. We thank you, oh God, that you saved us. Filled us with your Holy Spirit. And you have written our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. And God, we thank you. I lift up leaders of nations tonight. We pray, we are praying for our president. We are praying for the Senate, the Congress, local mayors and governors. Lord, we are praying for pastors of churches. We are praying and for those that have lost, you know, hope and, and they have thrown in the towel. Lord, stir up the gift that was in them, O God, in the name of Jesus, and put running in their feet, hallelujah, clapping in their hands. And Lord, let them, O God, be like Jeremiah that says, it's just like fire shut up in my bones when he was losing heart with the people that he had preached to, and no one had made a change. He just wanted to give, give it up. But when he gave it up, there was so much fire on the inside of him, he couldn't do it. So, Lord, just stir the hearts of pastors, O oh God, today that have given up the ministry and let the word of God just begin to burn on the inside of them in the name of Jesus. God, today we are praying for the sick. We are praying for the shut-in. We are praying for those that are on our prayer list, O oh God. We are asking that those that need housing, those that are battling depression, those that are battling addiction, God, you, you, you know the need. And you know every need, every prayer request. We are lifting them up before you in the name of Jesus. God, we are praying, oh God, for Pastor Kenneth touch his body, continuing to make him whole in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for making known your wonders everywhere. We thank you for changing hearts and minds and desires. Oh God, unless you draw men, they will not be drawn to you. Unless the God the Father draws men, they will not be drawn. So we thank you, God, for drawing men, changing the hearts of minds of people that have not accepted you. We are praying for the sick. We are praying for the elderly. I ask, oh God, that you would touch Mother Gilbert, touch her body, make her whole. Oh God, we lift up the sick. Those that are battling all manner of diseases in the hospital, praying for first responders yet. We're praying against all manner of diseases, the flu, the RSV virus, Lord, all the things that are yet around. And Lord, we're asking that you would touch bodies. We are praying for those that have lost loved ones. Lord, continually, we're still lifting up uh, Brother Michael Smith, his wife and family, God. And we ask, oh God, that you would sustain them and comfort them. Oh God, he is you, the God of all comfort. And God, you know all things. And Lord, we know in spite of all that has happened, you are good and will always be good. Lord, we bind the spirit of abortion. We bind the spirit of depression. Oh, we ask that you would, uh, uh, that robbers and rapists and murderers will be apprehended. We pray for those that have been violated, Lord, and they're afraid to come out of their homes. God, we are praying against the spirit of sex trafficking. God, we are praying that those perpetrators, they will be exposed and uncovered. 
And Lord, we give your name the praise, the glory, the honor. We pray for our local assembly restoration. We pray for every member, every family. We pray for Little Restores Learning Center, our daycare. Lord, we pray for the staff and the teachers. And Lord, we're just praying that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we ask God that you would even be lifting up our digging uh, board. Lord, every digging, God, you know their hearts cry and their hearts desires. God, we thank you for moving by your divine power. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. So we just thank God for that prayer and for the scriptures that we read. We're going to be going back into our teaching on uh, prayer. And it's, it's, we can talk about the power of prayer. The, you know, the power of prayer, the purpose of prayer. Prayer is just always needed. The Bible says men ought to always pray and not faint. So today we're going to be going into Acts chapter 6. And um, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And that is talking about when there was an issue among the people, um, especially in the church, among the widows, among the Greek widows and the he Hebrew widows. And that, that uh, was a murmuring and complaining because they felt like uh, the Greeks were not getting the service that they should have gotten. And it could have been a language barrier because of that. But they decided that the disciples needed to focus that time on the word and in prayer and in fasting. So they came together and they decided to select men that would be administrators. And so they were selecting deacons so they could take care of the feeding and the, the daily operations of the church. So I'm going to start reading in verse uh, chapter 1. We're going to go 1 through 7. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and 
Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So you see here that when after they selected these seven men, they were going to be full of the Holy Ghost. That's going to be taking care of the, you know, the running and the daily operations of the church. It says, but they began to pray. They prayed before. It says, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So these men that were set aside to become deacons of the church, as the 12 disciples began to pray, after they prayed, they laid hands on these men and dedicated them and consecrated their lives for the service to do the administration part of the church. Prayer is needed in every situation in the church. You know, before we make decisions, whom we're going to choose over an auxiliary, over, over a particular ministry, we should pray. We should seek the Lord. And so we thank God that, you know, and Stephen, you, we all know that he was stoned to death. And he was the one that saw Jesus sitting on the right hand of God after he was stoned. And, you know, then he turned around and he prayed the same prayer that Jesus prayed for the people that killed him. He said, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. So, as I had shared before, this problem had existed in this church. So, we thank God that churches do have problems. Even today, there's no perfect church. There are churches that, you know, that do have problems. But we have to look over each other's faults and see the need of one another. And so we thank God that how God solved that problem through the selection of second, seven diggings, but allowed the disciples that were already selected by him to pray and fast and lay hands on those men to ordain them as diggings. So we thank God for that prayer that took place during that time. And as we go into other scriptures on prayer, I'm going to be reading to you Matthew chapter 9. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And we all know this deals with the Lord's Prayer. Or the Father, or our Father. <laughs> you know, I'm reading a book now that's dealing with prayer, and the author was saying, No man or his disciples didn't ask, teach us to preach, but 
they did ask, teach us to pray. And so when we read this, it says, uh, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Now this is known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father and is one of the most famous prayers in the world. Jesus created this prayer to teach his disciples how to pray. This prayer is used in churches and in private prayer worldwide. Countless books, sermons, and articles have been written on it because each phrase leads us into a different dimension of prayer, such as praising God, praying about his will, asking him to provide for our needs, asking for forgiveness, and also the grace to forgive others. Help during temptation and protection from evil. So, the Lord's Prayer, our Father, an awesome prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 says, Pray about everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. This advice on prayer was written by the Apostle Paul to the early church members to encourage them to pray to God about anything and everything that troubled them. It gives a pattern for a straightforward way of praying where we are encouraged to, to present our request to God with thankful hearts. Some once told me that they weren't praying for a new job, which they desperately needed because they felt like they uh, shouldn't bother God with it since there were other people with much bigger needs like serious diseases. Now, this Bible verse tells us God's ears and heart are always open to hear about anything big or small that makes us feel anxious or worried. What may seem like a small matter to someone else 
may be a big thing to you. God cares and he is listening. So there are people feel like, you know, they shouldn't ask God for certain things because they feel like God already knows. But God also says we have not because we ask not. So it is important that we learn to pray and to ask for the different things that we are believing God for. And after we ask, ask in faith, believing that you receive. First John uh, chapter 5, verse 14 says, God always hears. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. The apostle John one of the disciples who was closest to Jesus shares this advice with the early church. It speaks of us having confidence when we pray that God hears us. It also brings in the principle of being close enough to God to know his will. So we, so we will be able to know when we ask for things, whether they line up with God's purposes for our lives and his kingdom. So we thank God that God hears our prayers and he also not only hears us, but he answers our prayers and that we can have the confidence, this confidence, that this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So if you're out there tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, now is your opportunity. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me with your blood. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Be my Lord, my master, and my savior. If you prayed that prayer, let someone know that you've accepted Jesus. The best decision you could have ever made was to make Jesus Christ of Nazareth your Lord and your Savior. If you are that backslider and you've walked away, pray and ask the Lord to restore unto you the joy of your salvation and come home. Father God is waiting for you. The church family is waiting for you. The Lord said he's married to the backslider. So, you know, we can run, but we can't hide. So just, you know, just let go. And just don't, don't try to get yourself, you know, once you ask for forgiveness, trust God to live through you. Because Jude says unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. To the only wise God, I say, will be glory and majesty, dominion and power. 
but now and forevermore. In other words, the Lord is able to keep you from falling. Don't you try to live it, but let God live it through you. So whatever you do, always remember to tell someone about Jesus. God bless.